This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Am I preaching for conversions? You know, it should be one of the great concerns that every gospel preacher has is to see sinners converted under his ministry. And we recognize absolutely that it's God alone who gives the increase, but it should be our concern for those of us who sow the seeds in the prescribed ways that that we want to be used, we want to see God use us to that end, namely converting people to Jesus. So what do I mean by, by preaching for conversions? Uh, what I mean is, is that we should preach sermons that are aimed at bringing sinners to Christ. I'm not referring to sermons that tack on, you know, an evangelistic application at the end or, you know, evangelistic application here and there sprinkled throughout the whole sermon. There's certainly a place for that. There is a real sense in which that every sermon should have an evangelistic element in it. If we preach Bible sermons, we're constantly preaching the gospel. We're we're applying the gospel in our sermons, whether we preach the family or church order or, you know, work ethic or any any other aspect of Christian living or Christian doctrine. People are sometimes converted under such sermons as the gospel is marbled within the message. What I mean by marbled, you've seen a steak that's there, and it's a beautiful steak, but you look and there's like a little hue over the top of it, a little a little glaze, a little marbled that's something that is weaved in out that's just a part of that steak. That's what I mean is that people sometimes are converted because the gospel is marbled over all of our sermons. Jesus is preached. The good news is preached. We often... Um, I would say probably all of us offer some sort of invitation at some point during the sermon. We we should never preach sermons that could just as well be, be preached in a, a Jewish synagogue or an Islamic mosque with just moral instruction, you know, no reference to Christ, not to the gospel. J.I. Packer wrote about the Puritans, which I like to study. The Puritans were called the purest more than they were the Puritans because they wanted the pure nectar of the Scripture and only the Scripture. They didn't want no creeds or nothing like that. They just wanted what the Scripture taught. But Packer wrote about the Puritans. He said that since all Scripture bears witness to Christ and all sermons uh, should aim to expound and apply what is in the Bible, all proper sermons would of necessity declare Christ and so be to some extent evangelistic. Robert Bolton says at least in regards, you know, impliedly, um, impliedly uh, if not directly that Jesus and the gospel and salvation is just implied if it's not directly addressed. So I would agree with that wholeheartedly, but then he would go on to say that the Puritans, the only difference was that some, some sermons aimed more narrowly and exclusively at converting sinners than others. And so what, what today's episode is about is, is the preaching that aims more narrowly and exclusively, or maybe primarily as a good word, at converting sinners. As stated clearly by Spurgeon, do not close a single sermon without addressing the ungodly, but at the same time set yourself seasons for a determined and continuous assault upon them and proceed with all of your soul to the conflict. On such occasions, aim distinctly at conversions. Do all of our sermons go toward, reach toward the unconverted? Not all of mine do. I know that. Some of my sermons are more about edification. I think it's unbalanced if you only preach for to, to convert a sinner when you've got a house full of people that are already converted. But but nonetheless, there, new, there do need to be sermons and, and teachings about conversion and being converted to Jesus because realistically, once we've done the, quote, five steps to salvation, as we oftenly coin it and have our children parrot, um, we're not done. Uh, we need to be in the business of converting ourselves daily, um, turning back toward God. And so it, it may be a very good idea 
um, we at least need to be including conversion-aimed preaching in our overall preaching ministry. Uh, here at Piedmont Road, we have on average about 30-something visitors a week. Most of those are Christians. They're passing through. This is a transient area. Everybody who comes to a Braves game in Atlanta, um, for the most part, we see a whole bunch of Braves folks. If folks are visiting Alatoona Lake or Carter's Lake or they're, they're you know, um, they're around these parts for during the summer. Our, our numbers are, are greater in the summer, and so we don't we don't have a, a group of people who are unconverted. In fact, they're very much converted because they're on vacation and they're still going to worship. Um, so they love the Lord, but we don't want to sound the alarm uh, all the time to a crowd of people who have already heard the alarm. We are commanded as ministers of the Word to do the work of an evangelist, Second Timothy 4 and verse 5. So regardless of how we interpret the word evangelist in the text, one thing is clear. Paul is reminding Timothy that as, that as a preacher of the Word, we must be preachers of the gospel, preachers of the um, evangel, if I could use it in that way. The gospel is to be preached to those who already believed, but 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 certainly not only to such. We we've been called into the great commission, uh, not the great omission, but the great commission to preach the gospel to the lost with the distinct aim of making new disciples. Um, I think it was Jerry Jenkins, Jeff and Dale Jenkins' father, who said that he it was his custom that he wanted to have three Bible studies a week that for him in order to be faithful in his own mind and to be a good steward and to be a minister of the gospel and to be a person who was doing the work of an evangelist, he wanted to have at least three Bible studies a week with three people who were not Christians. That's a good goal. It's a good goal. I've heard both the Jenkins boys say it about their date. I've heard uh, I've heard David Shannon speak about that. I've heard Wes Hazel speak about that. Um, and um, we, we've all been called to this, the aim of seeing men and women converted to the faith in Jesus Christ. Are we preaching sermons with this as our objective? There are several issues that keep us from doing that. Um, one of the hindrances is to preaching for conversions is, you know, um, maybe, maybe the word is uncertain about how to do it uh, because realistically it's hard for one person to come up with one sermon that can answer all the questions for everybody in the crowd who are the unconverted, who are raised in all kinds of different churches and all kinds of different different faiths. So that's one of the hindrances, and, and, and I understand that. That is a real hindrance. But this can lead to either a failure to preach evangelistically or to a neglect of the sum of the important facets of, of evangelistic preaching. This uncertainty can be increased by those of us who hold to... Um, um, you know certain certain doctrines of soteriology. Um, some people who I, I I know of a preacher who was at a place where, uh, and when I say soteriology, that's in, in theological circles that just means the doctrine of salvation. I, I know of a, a preacher who was at a work and he asked his elder to go with him to a Bible study to somebody who wasn't a Christian, and the elder was very hesitant. He said, "I'm not going to invite a heathen to the worship of the church. I just want you to know that." That's so many things are wrong with that. So many things are wrong with that person's mind. Um, you know there there is there is a reality of of God's sovereignty and God's sovereign grace and God giving his give, giving his grace to people um and God already knows who will and who will not uh, we don't know that we we know who will and will not be saved um and and I'm I'm not and you're not going to throw out the purpose and the will of God let's be honest we know that if if there's a person I I know this happened to me just a few weeks ago there was a person who was praying for truth and 
reached out to me about uh, Bible rebinding. And we started having a Bible conversation. That person is now a sister in Jesus Christ, Suzanne Weber, who was baptized at the Palm Beach Lakes Congregation um, down in Florida, where Dan Jenkins and uh, David Sproul preach. That's that's God answers the prayer of the of the penitent. God answers the prayer of the person who is looking for truth. He he always answers that truth. Uh, Acts ten, Cornelius. God is not a respecter of persons, but anybody who would fear God and, and live rightly, he's going, to, he's going to arrange the truth before them. Um, that's, that's a beautiful blessing. You, you, we, need, we need to think heavily about that. I want to be the instrument where God blesses the world. I want to be the tool, um, not for our sake, but because there's much reward. You know this, brother. Uh, you, there's there's much reward, and if you're a sister listening to this, and you're, you're teaching or you're an evangelistic in nature, you go out on mission work, and and you as a Christian woman um, are not in any way usurping the authority of any non-Christian man, because there's no such animal in the kingdom of Jesus. Um, you you have the absolute um, great commission laying at your feet to go and do likewise, to go and preach the gospel as a New Testament Christian to people who were not converted to Jesus Christ. You have that obligation. You have that blessing. You're part of that great commission. Priscilla and Aquila, uh, they both, um, uh, off the top of my head, I think the word is didasca or didascalon, they both taught the way of the Lord more perfectly to Apollos. They, he and she, both did that. Um, but but don't neglect evangelistic preaching. Let's, let's circle back the wagons. Um, not only can we neglect evangelistic preaching but it, but we can also think about evangelistic preaching and be hesitant toward it uh or a lack of it in regards to warmth and urgency there's some people who who belong to certain sects or certain calvinistic traits or you know hyper calvinism or however so, however sovereign they want to bind it uh that they they can become dull when it comes to salvation i mean goodness gracious the jehovah's witness who knock on our door for the 144,000 um you know surely they've gotten to 144,000 in heaven you know, so why are they continuing to multiply um, <laughs> uh, and knock doors and, and such like? They're, they're, they're committed people. But there is also another hindrance. Perhaps somebody was to say, you know, I love to preach for conversions, but if I did so in my church, I'd be preaching for, for conversions of people who are already converted. So I think in the minds of many that this is a real and serious hindrance. It could be that in some churches— it's the main reason for a lack of sermons with conversions as the specific aim. You know, we have other venues of preaching evangelistically. Certainly we should not limit it to the, to the inside of our church buildings. Perhaps, you know, this is something that we all need to be challenged on. Um, Ryan Denton Scott Smith published a book on open-air preaching. Uh, opportunities are, are abound for rescue missions, local jail, prisons. Um, we, we can engage the lost in our communities by means of track distribution or gospel conversations or, you know, putting a, putting a flyer up at our apartment complex with our phone number at the, at the bottom that's in tattered paper there at the end. You know, if you could ask, one of the things that, that really sparks the mind of some people is you ask the question, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And, and put your phone number at the bottom of that sheet of paper and all those little tethered slits where they can just peel it off and they can, they can say, hey, I saw your question, I'm interested, or whatever. There's all kinds of ways that we can reach people evangelistically, and we can preach to folks and teach folks. Um, but for, for 
those of us who are very, very busy preachers, I don't think we should feel guilty about the fact that our primary way and opportunity of doing evangelism is to, or, or maybe is in our week-to-week pulpit ministry. In fact, one of my main objectives in um, this this lesson here, this this podcast and episode, is to encourage you to preach evangelistic sermons to your congregation, even if you think most of your congregation is already converted. What's this going to do for you? What's it going to do for the church? It's going to equip them for the work of the ministry. Um, which is what we should and they should be all about, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. So let's talk about reasons to preach evangelistically uh, to the church. Um, David Murray um, had an exceptional blog, uh, really helpful, about reasons for preaching evangelistic to your congregation. Uh, Dr. Murray points out that we should preach for conversions because our people will be more encouraged to bring their lost friends to the services. If you don't have unconver- unconverted people attending your, your services, perhaps you should preach some evangelistic sermons until you do. Um, well, what do, what do we mean by that? It, it may be that one of the reasons that your folks rarely bring lost friends to the services is they know most of the preaching will be directed toward Christians, and not just Christians, but to well-taught New Testament Christians. These people are afraid that if they bring any of their lost friends or neighbors or family members, the messages are going to be too difficult for them to follow so they don't invite them. But if they knew that every week or at least often or regular, you know, if you have a if you have a second Sunday um, sermon that is that is designed just for evangelism or twice a month, let's just say for six months that you say, hey, every sermon is going to be evangelistic in nature. For the next six months, plead with your friends to come. You know, um, messages are going to be specifically directed to the lost you know, it's going to motivate your folks to invite their unsaved friends uh, to the worship so that they can be taught. A lot of a lot of your members want their 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 friends and brethren according to the flesh to be saved, but they're not sure how to walk through a Bible study, or maybe they're too emotionally close for a Bible study. Maybe they don't they don't know how to work through all of that. A whole host of reasons, but but this is one of the reasons to do that. They will bring their friends who are unconverted to the church. It's sad to me. It's sad to me. When I hear of people say, I can't I can't bring my lost friends to this church, I would be afraid that we'd run them off. The way that that preacher preaches, um, Sunday I had lunch with a good sister and her family, and and um, she cooked for us. It was a tremendous dish, and, uh, and uh, even invited my parents. And uh, she was talking about preaching, and she said, some preachers preach uh, everybody into hell, and they're glad that they're going. That's, that's terrible. That's all full. That is full of bad stuff. Uh, that's disgusting that, are, that uh, your congregants don't trust you enough with their lost friends. Get out of the pulpit. T- tell your elders that you need about a, a month sabbatical to go do some heart work yourself. Pray to God. Go to some therapy, probably because you're bitter about a lot of different things. Maybe the brethren have burnt you. You've got unresolved issues, and it, and it shows up in your preaching. It, it does, and, and we can see it. Um, it's sad. It's very sad, and it hurts. It hurts people. Secondly, even those who are already converted need to hear evangelistic sermons. Well, why? Because it's like getting converted all over again. For those that were in error in the New Testament, 40 years after Christ's resur- resurrection, what was told of them to do? Repent and do the first works. The seven churches of Asia, Revelation, what do you do? Repent and do the first works. You've lost your first love. Repent and do the first works. 
somebody comes up after an evangelistic sermon and says, Preacher, that, that was so convicting and at the same time so refreshing. It was like it was like I was getting saved all over again. Our folks need to have that experience. They need to have that often. There, there's a sense in which the entire Christian life is a life of continual continual conversion. We not only enter the narrow gate of conversion by repentance and faith and baptism into Christ Jesus, but Matthew Henry said repentance and faith are two legs by which we walk the narrow road all the way to heaven. Murray, Dr. Murray, he said Christians also need to hear evangelistic preaching. Why? In the absence of it, Christians forget. We forget the pit we were dug out of. We forget the debt we were in. We forget the remarkable work of God in our life. In the absence of evangelistic preaching, the memory of saving grace fades. It weakens and it disappears. In its place comes proud self-confidence and self-focus, which quickly drains prayerful concern for the souls of others. But under biblical evangelistic preaching, he would go on to say that Christians are re-humbled, re-convicted, and reminded uh, of what they have been saved from. That, that's there's your there's your three R um, sermon: re-humbled, re-convicted, re-reminded. You're welcome. That'll be eighty three dollars. Uh, my PayPal is is um, jacketlifeinchrist.com. You can find me on Venmo. All the above. You're welcome. Uh, they they repent. They re-believe. They are rekindled for their first love. They become enthusiastic. Uh, carriers uh, as they go out into the world with a renewed and prayerful vision and mission for the lost and the perishing all around them. You know who are the best recruiters of a school? Not the recruiters. Not the people who are paid to go out. Not the people who were given all kinds of money, all kinds of merchandise, all kinds of, all, all kinds of apparel. The best recruiters for any school are the folks who are the alumni of that school and love that school for what it is. You see, a person who has no who has no benefit of you going to their school, let's just say that it's the great college of the University of Georgia here in Athens. Um, beautiful campus, wonderful football team, baseball team, softball, fill in the blank. Wonderful. The G stands for God on the side of the helmet. We love our brethren over there in Athens. The best person who will recruit them is the person who graduated from there and walks away with the experience. The best church gospel carrier is the person who loves their church where they worship. They and I know I know we we shudder and shun when we think about calling it our church because it's the church of Jesus. I get it, but that language takes ownership. Paul said, "This is my gospel." Well, no, it's not your gospel, Paul. Is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul was taking ownership of the gospel. We should take ownership in the, in the intent of our church. Our church has this. Our body of people has this. Uh, our located congregation has this. Taking ownership and having that ownership in your mouth where you are vetted to this place, you're going to be a tremendous person to carry and bring people to Jesus Christ who have not yet been because you're so convicted and so in love with the local church. A third reason to preach evangelistic sermons is the fact that everyone in your congregation is not converted. You heard it here first, folks. Not everybody in the church building believes what you believe. Not everybody in the church building is on the same page theologically. Not everybody in that church house is converted. Children, of course. Probably others, folks who are not saved. People who, um, they're, they're people who think that they've been born again, but they're not. 
When you rarely preach for conversions, the danger is that children of the congregation may grow up assuming that they're saved. We grew up in church. We grew up in the bubble. The church silver spoon is in our mouth. Um, but they're not saved. Others are going to assume, assume that they were saved when they were not. And even if there is only one person in your entire congregation who is unconverted, shouldn't you preach for that person's conversion? Jeff Thomas tells a, an interesting story. Um, Edward Payson, one of the great preachers of the Second Great Great Awakening in America, as it was so called, there was once an occasion in which, quote, Payson traveled through a violent storm to get to the church. Not long after he entered the empty building, the door opened again. Another man entered for the service of the worship. This man was a visitor and had come from a distance to just hear Dr. Payson preach. That was enough for the preacher to abandon any thoughts of canceling the service. Payson determined to speak even if no one else came. At the appointed time, Payson would, would got up. He gets up and he preaches, even though no one else showed up for the service because of the severity of the storm. It was just him and the man visiting. Sometime later during the, the following year, Payson met the man again. He said, I enjoyed the sermon, he told Payson. And he went on to say, I have never heard a better one. Remember, I was sitting in the front, and whenever you said some things that were pretty hard, uh, condemning men's sins, I'd glance around and see who you were getting at, and there and there was only me there. So I said to myself, he must mean you, Pompey, you old sinner. Dr. Payson said it was the sermon that, that set me thinking what a wicked man I've been, and since then I haven't missed a service, a service at the church I attended. Um, that that's that's a tremendous thing um, when we act that way. Um, I know some preachers who who preach for smaller congregations, and, and there may be only a dozen in the crowd, but those are a dozen people who came to hear God's word preached. I'd rather worship with with a dozen faithful than a hundred unfaithful. Uh, big churches that don't mean anything. It doesn't. Um, this past Sunday, we had about 60-something people who were out due to COVID. Our teenagers are at Horizons. we got people who are out of town and vacationing and so on. But the building was still packed. But there, was, there were spots that were, that were you know, spotty. Uh, there, were, there were patches in, in, those, in, those, uh, in the pews where people should be sitting, and they weren't. That means that there's people that are unconverted, unconverted and should be there, but they're not yet. Am I willing to do what's necessary to get those people there? I'm willing to make those sacrifices. I want to say something briefly. Um, I want to take an approach uh, for the next few weeks about preaching for conversions. This is a large subject, and there's a lot that we could get into, but I, I, I'm determined to keep this relatively concise uh, and therefore um, more palatable to hear and to discern. And so what I want to do is focus on you know some, some key areas in the next few weeks that, that we need to be reminded of. Areas that I think that we must be that, that must be underscored uh, because there's sometimes missing notes in our preaching or or there are categories of, of emphasis that preachers are, preachers are not always clear about as we should be. So I want to hope to focus um, even even toward the end of this thought of pre- of preaching for conversions. We're going to get into the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in regards to preaching and conversions and the vital importance of praying for conversions. Um, so next week we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know preaching to awaken sinners and I don't know I may release one today's Tuesday I may release it you know Thursday or Friday um, feel free to get on the Facebook page Edify uh, the Servant uh, get on there send me a message 
Um, if you have questions or if you want to send an email to me, Jake at lifeinchrist.com. Talk about things. Talk about talk about things of conversion, preaching for conversions. Uh, share some stories with me. Uh, pass those along to me. I'd love I'd love to bring them up. Um, and if you're willing, come on the show with me um, and talk about preaching and preaching for conversions uh, for the next several several weeks. We're going to get into this. But may God be with you in your preaching. Humble yourself. Remember that there's people out there who need to hear uh, what it is that you're actually preaching, and that is the conversion to Jesus Christ every single day that they live. May God bless you in the preaching of his word.